Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tonight, I will be reading Two fairy tales that feature cats, Puss in Boots and Dick Whittington and his cat. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Puss in Boots There was once a miller who at his death had nothing to leave his three sons except his mill his donkey, and his cat. The eldest son took the mill, 
the second took the donkey, and as for the youngest, all that remained for him was the cat. The youngest son grumbled at this. My brothers, said he, will be able to earn an honest living, but when I have eaten my cat and sold his skin, I shall die of hunger. The cat who was sitting beside him overheard this. Nay, master, he said, don't take such a gloomy view of things. If you will get me a pair of boots made so that I can walk through the brambles without hurting my feet, and give me a bag, you shall soon see what I'm worth. The cat's master was so surprised to hear his cat talking that he at once got him what he wanted. The cat drew on the boots and slung the bag around his neck and set off for a rabbit warren. When he got there, he filled his bag with bran and lettuces and stretching himself out beside it as if dead, waited until some young rabbit should be tempted into the bag. This happened very soon. A fat, thoughtless rabbit went in headlong, and the cat at once jumped up, pulled the strings, and killed him. Puss was very proud of his success, and going to the king's palace, he asked to speak to the king. When he was shown into the king's presence, he bowed respectfully, and laying the rabbit down before the throne, he said, Sire, here is a rabbit which my master, the Marquis of Carabas, desires me to present to your majesty. Tell your master, said the king, that I accept his present, and I am very much obliged to him. A few days later, the cat went and hid himself in a cornfield and laid his bag open as before. This time, two splendid partridges were lured into the trap, and these also he took to the palace and presented to the king for the Marquis of Carabas. The king was very pleased with this gift and ordered the messenger of the Marquis of Carabas to be handsomely rewarded. For two or three months, the cat went on in this way, carrying game every day to the palace and saying it was sent by the Marquis of Carabas. At last, the cat happened to hear that the king was going to take a drive of the banks of the river with his daughter, the most beautiful princess in the world. He at once went to his master. Master, said he, if you follow my advice, your fortune will be made. Go and bathe in the river at a place I shall show you, and I will do the rest. Very well, said the miller's son, and he did, as the cat told him. When he was in the water, the cat took away his clothes and hid them, and then ran to the road, just as the king's coach went by, calling out as loudly as he could. Help, help, the Marquis of Carabas will be drowned. The king looked out of the carriage window, and when he saw the cat who had brought him so many fine rabbits and partridges, he ordered his bodyguards to fly at once to the rescue of the Marquis of Carabas. Then the cat came up to the carriage and told the king that while his master was bathing, some robbers had stolen his clothes. The king immediately ordered one of his own magnificent suits of clothes to be taken to the Marquis. So when the miller's son appeared before the monarch and his daughter, he looked so handsome and was so splendidly attired that the princess fell in love with him on the spot. The king was so struck with his appearance 
that he insisted upon his getting into the carriage to take a drive with them. The cat, delighted with the way his plans were turning out, ran on before. He reached a meadow where some peasants were making hay. Good people, said he, if you do not tell the king, when he comes this way, that the meadow you are mowing belongs to the Marquis of Carabas, you shall all be chopped up into little pieces. When the king came by, he stopped to ask the haymakers to whom the meadow belonged. To the Marquis of Carabas, if it please your majesty, answered they, trembling, for the cat's threat had frightened them terribly. The cat, who continued to run before the carriage, now came to some reapers. Good people, said he, if you do not tell the king that all this corn belongs to the Marquis of Carabas, you shall all be chopped up into little pieces. The king again stopped to ask to whom the land belonged, and the reapers, obedient to the cat's command, answered, To the Marquis of Carabas, please, your majesty. And all the way, the cat kept running on before the carriage, repeating the same instructions to all the labourers he came to, so that the king became very astonished at the vast possessions of the Marquis of Carabas. At last, the cat arrived at a great castle where an ogre lived, who was very rich. For all the lands through which the king had been riding were part of his estate. The cat knocked at the castle door and asked to see the ogre. The ogre received him very civilly and asked him what he wanted. If you please, sir, said the cat, I have heard that you have the power of changing yourself into any sort of animal you please, and I came to see if it could possibly be true. So I have, replied the ogre, and in a moment he turned himself into a lion. This gave the cat a great fright, and he scrambled up the curtains to the ceiling. Indeed, sir, he said, I am now quite convinced of your power to turn yourself into such a huge animal as a lion, but I do not suppose you can change yourself into a small one, such as a mouse, for instance. Indeed I can, cried the ogre indignantly, and in a moment the lion had vanished while a little brown mouse frisked about the floor. In less than half a second the cat sprang down from the curtains and pouncing upon the mouse, ate him all up before the ogre had time to return to any other shape. And when the king arrived at the castle gates, there stood the cat upon the doorstep, bowing and saying, Welcome to the castle of the Marquis of Carabas. The Marquis helped the king and the princess to alight, and the cat led them into a great hall where a feast had been spread for the ogre. The king was so delighted with the good looks, the charming manners, and the great wealth of the Marquis of Carabas that he said that the Marquis must marry his daughter. The Marquis, of course, replied that he should only be too happy, and the very next day he and the princess were married. As for the cat, he was given the title of Puss in Boots, and ever after only caught mice for his own amusement. Dick Whittington and his cat. In the reign of King Edward III, there was a poor orphan boy named Dick Whittington living in a country village a long way from London. He was a sharp little lad, and the stories that he heard of London being paved with gold 
made him long to visit that city. One day, a large wagon and eight horses, with bells at their heads, drove through the village. Dick thought it must be going to London, so he asked the driver to let him walk by the side of the wagon. As soon as the driver heard that poor Dick had neither father nor mother, and saw by his ragged clothes that he could not be worse off than he was, he told him he might go if he would, so they set off together. Dick got safely to London, and was in such a hurry to see the fine streets paved with gold, that he ran through many of them, thinking every moment to come to those that were paved with gold. For Dick had seen a guinea three times in his own little village, and remembered what a lot of money it brought in change. So he thought he had nothing to do but to take up some little bits of pavement, and he would then have as much money as he could wish for. Poor Dick ran till he was tired, and had quite forgotten his friend the driver. At last, finding it grow dark, and that every way he turned he saw nothing but dirt instead of gold, he sat down in a dark corner and cried himself to sleep. Next morning, being very hungry, he got up and walked about and asked everybody he met to give him a haypenny to keep him from starving. At last, a good-natured-looking gentleman saw how hungry he looked. Why don't you go to work, my lad, said he. I would, answered Dick, but I do not know how to get any. If you are willing, said the gentleman, come with me. And so saying, he took him to a hayfield where Dick worked briskly and lived merrily till the hay was all made. After this, he found himself as badly off as before, and being almost starved again, he laid himself down at the door of Mr. Fitzwarren, a rich merchant. Hare the cook, an ill-tempered woman, called out to poor Dick, What business have you here, you lazy rogue? If you do not take yourself away, we will see how you like a sousing of some dishwater I have here that is hot enough to make you jump. At this time, Mr. Fitzwarren himself came home to dinner, and when he saw a dirty, ragged boy lying at the door, he said in a kind and gentle voice, Why do you lie there, my lad? You seem old enough to work. I'm afraid you are lazy. No, sir, said Dick to him. I would work with all my heart, but I do not know anybody, and I am sick for want of food. Poor fellow, answered Mr. Fitzwarren. Get up. Let me see what ails you. Dick tried to rise, but was too weak to stand, for he had not eaten anything for three days. So the kind merchant ordered him to be taken into the house and have a good dinner given to him, and to be kept to do what dirty work he could for the cook. Dick would have lived happily in this good family if it had not been for the ill-natured cook, who was finding fault and scolding him from morning till night. And besides, she was so fond of basting that when she had no roast meat to baste, she would be basting poor Dick. But though the cook was so ill-tempered, the footman was quite different. He had lived in the family many years and was an elderly man and very kind-hearted. He had once a little son of his own who died when about the age of Dick, so he could not help feeling pity for the poor boy, and sometimes gave him a halfpenny to buy gingerbread or a top. The footman was fond of reading, and used often in the evening to entertain the other servants with some amusing book. Little Dick took pleasure in hearing this good man, 
which made him wish very much to learn to read too. So the next time the footman gave him a halfpenny, he bought a little book with it, and with the footman's help, Dick soon learned his letters and afterwards to read. About this time, Miss Alice, Mr. Fitzwarren's daughter, was going out one morning for a walk, and Dick was told to put on a suit of good clothes that Mr. Fitzwarren gave him and walk behind her. As they went, Miss Alice saw a poor woman with one child in her arms and another on her back. She pulled out her purse and gave the woman some money, but as she was putting it into her pocket again, she dropped it on the ground and walked on. It was lucky that Dick was behind and saw what she had done, for he picked up the purse and gave it to her again. Another time, when Miss Alice was sitting with the window open and amusing herself with a favourite parrot, it suddenly flew away to the branch of a high tree, where all the servants were afraid to venture after it. As soon as Dick heard of this, he pulled off his coat and climbed up the tree as nimbly as a squirrel, and after a great deal of trouble, caught her and brought her down safely to his mistress. Miss Alice thanked him and liked him ever after for this. The ill-humoured cook was now a little kinder, but besides this, Dick had another hardship to get over. His bed stood in a garret where there were so many holes in the floor and the walls that every night he was waked in his sleep by the rats and mice which ran over his face and made such a noise that he sometimes thought the walls were tumbling down about him. One day, a gentleman came to see Mr. Fitzwarren, who wanted his shoes polished. Dick took great pains to make them shine, and the gentleman gave him a penny. With this, he thought he would buy a cat. So the next day, seeing a little girl with a cat under her arm, he went up to her and asked if she would let him have it for a penny. The girl said she would, and that it was a very good mouser. Dick hid the cat in the garret and always took care to carry a part of his dinner to her, and in a short time he had no more trouble from the rats and mice. Soon after, his master had a ship ready to sail, and as he thought it right all his servants should have some chance for good fortune as well as himself, he called them into the parlour and asked them if they wanted to take a share in the trading trip. They all had some money that they were willing to venture, except poor Dick, who had neither money nor goods. For this reason, he did not come into the parlour with the rest, but Miss Alice guessed what was the matter and ordered him to be called in. She then said she would put money in for him from her own purse, but her father told her this would not do, for Dick must send something of his own. When poor Dick heard this, he said he had nothing but a cat. Fetch your cat then, my good boy, said Mr. Fitzwarren, and let her go. Dick went upstairs and brought down poor Puss and gave her to the captain with tears in his eyes. All the company laughed at Dick's odd venture. A Miss Alice, who felt pity for the poor boy, gave him some money to buy another cat. This and other marks of kindness shown him by Miss Alice made the ill-tempered cook jealous of poor Dick, and she began to use him more cruelly than ever and always made fun of him for sending his cat to sea. She asked him if he thought his cat would sell for as much money as would buy a stick to beat him. At last, poor Dick could not bear this any longer and thought he would run away from his place. So he packed up his few things and set out very early in the morning on the 1st of November. He walked as far as Highgate 
and there sat down on a stone, which is to this day called Whittington Stone, and began to think which road he should take further. While he was thinking what he should do, the bells of the bow church began to ring, and he fancied their sounds seemed to say, Turn again, Whittington, Lord Mayor of London. Lord Mayor of London, said he to himself, Why, to be sure, I would put up with almost anything now to be Lord Mayor of London and ride in a fine coach when I grow to be a man. I will go back and think nothing of the cuffing and scolding of the old cook if I am to be Lord Mayor of London at last. Dick went back and was lucky enough to get into the house and set about his work before the cook came down. The ship, with the cat on board, was a long time at sea and was at last driven by the winds on a part of the coast of Barbary. The people came in great numbers to see the sailors, had treated them very civilly, and when they became better acquainted, were eager to buy the fine things with which the ship was laden. When the captain saw this, he sent patterns of the best things he had to the king of the country, who was so much pleased with them, that he sent for the captain and the chief mate to the palace. Here they were placed, as is the custom of the country, on rich carpets marked with gold and silver flowers. The king and queen were seated at the upper end of the room, and a number of dishes, the greatest rarities, were brought in for dinner. But before they had been put on the table, a minute, a vast number of rats and mice rushed in and helped themselves from every dish. The captain wondered at this and asked if these vermins were not very unpleasant. Oh yes, they said, and the king would give half of his riches to get rid of them, for they not only waste his dinner, as you see, but disturb him in his bedroom, so that he is obliged to be watched while he is asleep. The captain was ready to jump for joy when he heard this. He thought of poor Dick's cat, and told the king he had a creature on board his ship that would kill all the rats and mice. The king was still more glad than the captain. Bring this creature to me, said he, and if it can do what you say, I will give you your ship full of gold for her. The captain, to make quite sure of his good luck, answered that she was such a clever cat for catching mice and rats that he could hardly bear to part with her, but that to oblige his majesty, he would fetch her. Run, run, said the queen, for I long to see the creature that will do such service. Away went the captain to the ship while another dinner was got ready. He came back to the palace soon enough to see the table full of rats and mice again, and the second dinner likely to be lost in the same way as the first. The cat did not wait for bidding, but jumped out of the captain's arms, and in a few moments laid almost all the rats and mice dead at her feet. The rest, in fright, scampered away to their holes. The king and queen were delighted to get rid of such a plague so easily. They desired that the creature might be brought for them to look at. On this, the captain called out, Puss, puss, and the cat ran and jumped upon his knee. He then held her out to the queen, who was afraid to touch an animal that was able to kill so many rats and mice. But when she saw how gentle the cat seemed and how glad she was at being stroked by the captain, she ventured to touch her also, saying all the time, Poot, poot, for she could not speak English. At last, the queen took the cat on her lap and by degrees became quite free with her till the cat purred herself to sleep. 
When the king had seen the actions of the mistress's cat, and was told that she would soon have young ones, which might in time kill all the rats and mice in his country, he bought the captain's whole ship's cargo, and afterwards gave him a great deal of gold besides, which was worth still more for the cat. The captain then took leave, and set sail with a fair wind, and arrived safe at London. One morning, when Mr. Fitzwarren had come into the counting-house, and seated himself at the desk, somebody came tap-tap-tap at the door. Who is there? answered Mr. Fitzwarren. A friend, answered someone. And who should it be but the captain, followed by several men carrying vast lumps of gold that had been paid by the King of Barbary for the ship's cargo? They then told the story of the cat, and showed the rich present that the king had sent to Dick for her, upon which the merchantman called out to his servants, Go fetch him, we will tell him of the same, for call him Mr. Whittington by name. Mr. Fitzwarren now showed himself a really good man, for while some of his clerks said so great a treasure was too much for such a boy as Dick, he answered, I will not keep the value of a single penny from him. It is all his own, and he shall have every farthing's worth of it. He sent for Dick, who happened to be scouring the cook's kettles, and was quite dirty, so that he wanted to excuse himself from going to his master. Mr. Fitzwarren, however, made him come in, and ordered a chair to be sent for him, so that poor Dick thought they were making fun of him, and began to beg his master not to play tricks with a poor boy, but to let him go again to his work. Indeed, Mr. Whittington, said the merchant, we are all in earnest with you, and I heartily rejoice in the news these gentlemen have brought you, for the captain has sold your cat to the king of Barbary, and brought you, in return for her, more riches than I possess, and I wish you may long enjoy them. Mr. Fitzwarren then told the men to open the great treasure they had brought with them, and said, Mr. Whittington has now nothing to do but put it in some place of safety. Poor Dick hardly knew how to behave himself for joy. He begged his master to take what part of it he pleased, since he owed it all to his kindness. No, no, answered Mr. Fitzwarren. This is all your own, and I have no doubt you will use it well. Dick next asked his mistress, and then Miss Alice, to accept a part of his good fortune, but they would not, and at the same time told him that his success afforded them great pleasure. But the poor fellow was too kind-hearted to keep it all to himself, so he made a handsome present to the captain, the mate, and every one of the sailors, and afterwards to his good friend the footman, and the rest of Mr. Fitzwarren's servants, and even to the ill-natured cook. After this, Mr. Fitzwarren advised him to get himself dressed like a gentleman, and told him he was welcome to live in his house till he could provide himself with a better. When Whittington's face was washed, his hair curled, his hat cocked, and he was dressed in a nice suit of clothes, he was as handsome as any young man who visited at Mr. Fitzwarren's, so that Miss Alice, who had been so kind to him, and thought of him with pity, now looked upon him as fit to be her sweetheart, and the more so, no doubt, because Whittington was now always thinking what he could do to oblige her, and making her the prettiest presence that could be. Mr. Fitzwarren soon saw their love for each other, and proposed to join them in marriage, and to this they both readily agreed. A day for the wedding was soon fixed, and they were attended to church by the Lord Mayor, the Court of Aldermen, the Sheriffs, and a great number of the richest merchants in London, 
whom they afterwards treated with a fine feast. History tells us that Mr. Whittington and his lady lived in great splendor and were very happy. They had several children. He was Sheriff of London in the year 1360 and several times afterwards Lord Mayor. The last time he entertained King Henry V on His Majesty's return from the famous Battle of Agincourt. In this company, the King, on account of Whittington's gallantry, said, Never had prince such a subject. And when Whittington was told this at the table, he answered, Never had subject such a king. Going with an address from the city on one of the king's victories, he received the honor of knighthood. Sir Richard Whittington supported many poor. He built a church and also a college with a yearly allowance to poor scholars and near it raised a hospital. The figure of Sir Richard Whittington, with his cat in his arms, carved in stone, was to be seen till the year 1780 over the archway of the old prison of Newgate that stood across Newgate Street. <laughs>